It was the dawn of the third age of New Trek, ten years after the heart had faith. The strange New Takes project was dream given form. Its goal was to prevent a lack of content by creating a place where humans and aliens could discuss Star Trek peacefully. It's a part of Gost, home away from home for Trekkies, TNGers, Niners, and Voyagers. Humans and aliens wrap in 2,500,000 tons of spinning hot takes all alone in the night. It can be a dangerous podcast, but it's our last best hope for takes. This is the story of the last of the Star Trek podcasts. The year is 2021. The name of this place is Strange New Takes. Welcome to Strange New Takes, everybody. I'm your host, Natch. As you can tell, I've been watching Babylon 5, and stuck with me as I went through that monologue are... Emily Bowen Marler. And Adam Bowen. Uh, welcome to Strange New Takes. I, I think that that's now our permanent intro. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I don't need to explain anything. You, you got it all there. Uh, basically, uh, we're here to recap the first episode of Star Trek Picard, The Remembrance, uh, as part of our sort of ongoing and soon to be over uh, 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 Star Trek pilot series. So here we go. Now, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, maybe this is your first episode, maybe it's not, I don't know, but do follow us on social media uh, at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Also, if you are a frequent listener who enjoys the pod very much, we always appreciate you doing two things. Number one, telling your friends, hey, I got this cool Star Trek pod I listened to. You should listen to it as well. And then maybe we can start a podcast together talking about the podcast. Uh, also, that, that that's not the second thing. The second thing is that you should go and rate us a five-star ratings on iTunes. Uh, the reason to do that is because when people search for podcasts to listen to, those pesky iTunes ratings are what create the order on the search list. You give us a rating, we show up higher. It all works out. And I feel like I really do need to give a spoiler warning for the episode we are about to discuss because this episode dropped in the year 2020, which as we all know, that was like right on the cusp of like everything imploding and shutting down. And it was and the dawn we... <laughs> of the second age of mankind. <laughs> I, I mean, now granted, a lot of us were trapped in our homes for long periods of time. So it would be the perfect time to have picked up this new series. But in case you just weren't in the headspace to be able to watch something new, you know, if you haven't seen Star Trek Picard yet, you may want to hold off or at least go watch the first episode. It was only like 43 minutes. It's less of a time commitment than the other pilots have been. So, you know, otherwise sit back, relax and enjoy our show. All right. Each week we start off by discussing our strange new takes. So Emily and Adam, what are your strange new takes this week? Uh, so I don't think that the speed of light can be broken in any meaningful or useful way. Furthermore, I think that space is probably too big to have an interstellar society, and it might be too hard to keep humans alive for the journey. Instead, I think that if we are uh, blessed to survive more than a, a couple hundred years and not kill ourselves, uh, I think we'll be scattered out uh, by machines that genetically engineer us to survive on new worlds, 
outside contact will be limited to due to latency and bandwidth, but we could continue to survive and grow independently of one another's solar systems. Uh, and for the uh, episode take, uh, this show, more than any other of the modern Star Treks, uh, suffered from the weekly release format. Uh, episode one is fine, uh, but episode two is so bad that my wife quit watching the series with me. Uh, Picard really doesn't get interesting until you've watched all three of the first episodes. Uh, and that's uh, how it was presented at the premiere. And I think that they should have just done the thing that Amazon does and release the first three episodes and then go to the weekly format after that. Uh, once you've sort of understood why you're supposed to watch this. Um, let's see. My strange new take isn't really such a strange new take. There's there's something about me that people want to tell me their life story when they meet me, whether it's on the phone or in person. And you know what? I've decided that that's a good thing because probably they needed to share their life story with somebody at that point. So, you know, it's good to have people in this world that we can just trust off the bat and and share our deep, dark secrets with and know they're not going to judge us or anything. So um, I had a really interesting experience earlier today. Um, and my strange new take for Picard... I don't know that I have a strange new take for the card. Um, I really, so I'm trying to think if I knew ahead of time that the first three episodes really were part of, like it was kind of like those were kind of conceived as the jumping off point. And I think I did know that. Um, and I think I enjoyed it more when I watched it the first time. So my strange new take really, I guess, is that they were just banking on people loving Next Generation and Patrick Stewart, you know, and they figured mm -hmm. they didn't have to release it with the three. Um, they wanted to keep us strung along for a few weeks and figured we would stay the course because it was Patrick Stewart. Yeah. And stay subscribed that extra month. Yeah. yeah. Well, my strange new take is that I am enjoying Babylon 5. Uh, people have told me that it's kind of hit or miss or that the first season sucks. And I did. I did. I found this like page that tells you which episodes of season one to skip. But what I did watch was even of season one was pretty great. I'm enjoying season two. So, I, I you know, it's, it feels good to have found a new show that I can just have on my phone. Like, it's not like I'm seriously into it either. So it's a good time. It's a good time. Uh, on this episode... It made me reflect on something I learned last week while doing research for the Discovery pilot. So I had always thought that the writers didn't know that Lorca was Mirror Universe until they got to the point when they wrote him being Mirror Universe. This is not true. He was conceived as a Mirror Universe character and Jason Isaacs knew it from the beginning. However, the my being able to say, oh yeah, the writers were like, they, they just making it up as they go along like they used to on TV, helped me make you know make more sense of why things were so all over the place and it makes me i had a similar feeling with picard where i was just like in this when they were writing this first episode did they really know what was going to come after that uh or did they not for example sexy romulan man says that his brother dies and he says something like we were really close except he says it in kind of like almost sexy way which like kind of Pre, uh, predicts the like in, kind of weird borderline strange incestuous thing that he has going on with his sister maybe all uh, Romulans are like that we don't know we don't know we don't know just could be one big very awkwardly almost incestuous society I'm not sure um, 
Star Trek is going to be very interesting if that's what they write into canon. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And I'm using interesting in the very, very Minnesotan sense of the word. So It's like um, when someone comes up to me and says, that was an interesting sermon. I know that's not necessarily a compliment. <laughs> right. It's, it has a lot to do with the intonation. Like, yeah. Notch, that was really interesting versus Notch, that was interesting. Like, you know. Uh, but anyway, anyway, I I did learn, I believe, I this I don't think this is like kind of me making up a memory, but I did see recently a Reddit post where, they, where the Picard writers admitted that they didn't know how the season was going to end when they started it. So I do wonder, like, how much of this episode was actual setup versus the writers just, like, creating some hooks that they may or may not pull later. So... So that, that that's that's my strange new take here because this episode remember it's first episode of star trek picard's first season first aired on 23rd january 2020 and the teleplay was by akiva goldsman and james duff the story was by akiva goldsman michael shabon kirsten bear alex kurtzman and james duff and uh this was directed notably by hanley m culpepper uh, this is notable because she would be the first black woman to direct a premiere, series premiere of a Star Trek series. So that's that's kind of the the, the bare details about uh, about Star Trek Picard's first episode. The I think I think it's time for us to just take a step before twenty third January twenty twenty though to uh, to set the stage for Picard. And I'm kind of curious whether y'all have this kind of thing that I've seen so much of, especially before Picard came out, where people kind of really miss TNG. Were y'all were y'all the I really miss TNG and want TNG again kind of Star Trek fans? Yeah, I I I, I mean so sort of. So I I I I loved TNG. That's the one that I that I grew up with. It's the one that's definitely like uh part of my like heart. Uh and it's it's just got a special place for me. But I also and I and I I miss certain elements of it, but I also kind of uh, when when this was announced, I was so worried that they were just gonna do uh, TNG again, but worse this time. And I I just uh, <laughs> like I I was I I wanted it more, but I I didn't trust anyone to actually make it. So um, that's kind of where my mindset was when we started out. Well, and I think. So yeah, I I know I wanted um I like I like discovery and I like characters in discovery. Mm-hmm. Um but I know that I I just I want my Star Trek to be um not utopian, but I just want it to be a really hopeful um vision of the future, especially when we're in the midst of like I mean, I know the world's always burning and it's always been burning since the beginning of time. I recognize that. But, you know, we can't help but feel it acutely, the things that are mm-hmm. that are happening in our world right now. And so I know that that discovery didn't generally leave me feeling, oh, this is a good place to escape to. You know, that's not how it left me. Yeah. Um, and so... So yes, I, but but Picard didn't do that for me either. So, you know, it's kind of like, like y'all just blew up what, what I grew up with, the Star Trek that I, you know, but there are moments, there are moments. And so I, I do appreciate kind of the moments and the threads that they pull out. I mean, there've been a couple speeches that Michael's given 
um, in Discovery mm. that have totally harkened back to the the great mm-hmm. you know Jean Luc Picard or or Captain Janeway speeches you know so mm-hmm. so so the spirit I think is still there and um, so yeah but I was I think I was longing for that yeah I, I, so so that that that's a common I've um, I think criticism is too strong a word but comment on what should what needed to come next that I remember from that time and even still to this day is, is online and. So this show was announced, I believe, in about 2018, and there were like little rumblings of it a little bit before that as well. I will confess that I am not someone who necessarily wanted another TNG or even a return of the TNG characters, just because they weren't my first Trek. They weren't like what I like. If you say the word Star Trek to me somewhere randomly, it's going to either be Voyager or the 2009 movie that pops in my head. Those are my like kind of um, just where my mind goes first. Mm -hmm. But I remember when I saw that they were making this series, I was a little bit, I mean, personally, I was a little skeptical because I was like, Peter Patrick Stewart's very old. And like, yeah, it, to, to make a series that is named after his character just seems like kind of an interesting, risky, ch- risky yes, yes, yeah. that too. But But just a very strange choice in terms of like, the very young kind of cool millennial direction Star Trek seemed to be going in with Discovery. It just didn't seem to fit as much. So I was kind of like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I guess I was just, just again, for setting the stage, I wanted to see what y'all were expecting. Like bef- knock out everything that Picard actually did. But like when y'all heard that this was going to be Star Trek Picard, what did you think you were signing up for? What was likely? Let's put it that way. Um. So I... If I'm recalling, I, I think that some of the original sort of teasers al- along with it showed the vineyard, or at least like that there was uh, an expectation that that would be prominent. I, I was excited for a Star Trek that was actually on Earth and was going to show us Earth. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought it would be interesting to have one that maybe that's it uh, and that we're sort of uh, there the whole time. And, um, I mean, that's not what we got. And we also didn't get any new Earth. We we still only saw uh, Vineyard, Soul Food, and uh, uh, San Francisco. Uh, although, I guess, it, I guess it was technically Okinawa, but uh, it looked exactly the same as... <laughs> hey, we saw Paris. We saw a little yeah. bit of Paris. <laughs> and, we, and we did see Boston, but it's just, they all look like future cities. Right. And uh, that's about it. So you were expecting an Earthbound show with with Captain Picard thrown in there somewhere. You didn't have more yeah. like thoughts on what you might end up with. Yeah, I, and and like that's so I think that's what uh, sort of excited me in the sense of uh, like I don't think that they're necessarily going to do just straight up TNG. It seems like maybe they want to, like they understand how dangerous that is to just like let's just have everyone come back and do the same thing. Um, but yeah. Emily, did you have expectations? I think I, I think the main expectation I had was that they actually were going to uh, let the character have um, some sort of emotional journey based on the traumas he'd experienced mm. um, that we'd seen. Because they didn't really allow him to do that too much. You know, obviously they have the one episode right after um, Best of Both Worlds where he mm-hmm. goes home. Um, and so he has that episode where he deals with it. Um, are there actually there may even is there just one? Ep- I can't remember if that's it's, the episode immediately one, so after. It's, okay, it's just 
family. <clears throat> I felt right? like there was maybe one other one where they show scars on him, but I'm not sure. And, you know, they have It's at the end of tiny... Best of Both Worlds that he has a scar, and then oh, okay. they don't show it ever again. And they, they, you know, they do touch on it slightly with Iborg because of mm-hmm. how, you know, Picard just wants to kind of make them pay. Um, but they really don't get into the fact that this is a big trauma until you get to first contact, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but then you also... Um, now, did we know? I think we did know Data was going to be in. I, I think we knew that before it dropped. So I think I also anticipated that there was going to be some dealing with that trauma as well, with Data having sacrificed himself for Picard. So I just, but I didn't know what that was going to look like, you know? Yeah. I guess it's it's obvious in retrospect that it was going to be a character study. I found it very hard to set expectations. I really didn't know what was going to pop up on the screen in front of me. So I just went in with more of a blank slate, I guess. Um, personally, so I was kind of curious to hear what y'all had thought of because I think a lot of other people out there really did. There were there was a sizable number of people who really did expect this to be Picard on a starship somewhere, maybe not next generation style, but uh, they they expected it to be more of a generic Starfleet show, and mm-hmm. that's not what we got later, of course. Now, this show was put into place because um, and and apparently Alex Kurtzman wanted this for quite a while. Uh, they wanted to get Patrick Stewart back. Patrick Stewart had really vehemently not wanted to play Picard ever again. and he, But he, he thought it was courteous to go in in person to refuse them. And then when he showed up, Michael Shabon, who is the showrunner, and and uh, Alex Kurtzman managed to to change his mind, Patrick Stewart's mind, on, on playing Picard. Uh, apparently also Shabon then like completely tore up the original story he wanted. Uh, for the show based on conversations with, with Patrick Stewart. And, and one of the things that comes through watching the Ready Room episodes about Picard, listening to the podcast, everything, is that Patrick Stewart has had a great deal of input in this show. Hmm. Um, I don't know if it's sacrilege to say that I don't know if it's the most effective because I think he's very sentimental about his character and that can can be a good thing in some ways. But um just that's my my own sense from listening to all the official star trek picard podcasts mm-hmm. is i'm just not sure all the time the things that he says sometimes like i did this i wanted that i sometimes have been like are you sure that was a good idea so yeah well you I, know I, I, oh go I, ahead I felt, I felt similarly because uh, uh, i i remember uh hearing like oh the, i had a lot of uh input on this and like you had a, I think you had a lot of input on Nemesis, and like that's why we got, that's why we had the like the whole Argo thing because you think semis are cool and, and whatever. And so, like, like you're you're a great dude. I I I love seeing you, but I don't know if that's that's what I'm looking for in this series. And so yeah, well, I was gonna say, oh, okay. The, I also am a little wary when I hear Patrick Stewart is going to have input. I love Patrick Stewart, so do not get me wrong. But like Captain's Holiday was an episode that happened because Patrick Stewart wanted his character to be, to be character to be more action. Like, and I, it's not my favorite. And like the yeah. whole Vosh Picard storyline wasn't my favorite really. And um, so I was always like, did you do? You, yeah, it's you just don't. I like maybe he didn't like the character being as intellectually as he was, or he thought he was a little bit boring or whatever. So when I heard he was having a lot of input, I was like, "What is this gonna mean? That you're gonna? I don't know." <laughs> so. It means they're gonna blow him up and and throw him like sixty feet, and then. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and I I mean, I am not the actor of Patrick Stewart's caliber, but I have done some acting in my life um, in college. And I will in our say- opening intro. Right. Yeah. That, every day, every day I play, I play all of life's a stage as, as the bard says. So anyway, um, what, I'll, what I'll say is this, is that as an actor who's handed a script and a character, especially if you play that character over and over again, you build a kind of a very personal connection. And sometimes that can lead you to think of them as a real person, which can actually harm the character's connection to the audience. Because TV and movies aren't what real life is. And I don't just mean that in like, that's not real life on the TV there, young man. But it's more like if you show someone's actual life and the way that conversations happen, things occur, development happens on the TV, it's actually less realistic for a viewer sometimes than if you, if you, you need, you need someone who, who does those contrived things that they know are contrived when the production process, but in, mm-hmm. when it, when the viewer sees it, when it all comes together, it feels more natural that way. And so that's where I, as an actor, I know that sometimes I, I was like asking directors for things that just weren't like what the director said, no, you, we can't do it that way. I'm sorry. Or like they made choices that made me upset and made my characters do things I didn't want. And um, those are the better choices. So, so that's maybe some of that bias for me. Although there is also like Richard Schiff on the West Wing, who it, he is Toby Ziegler, and like he started to have so much input into his character in the West Wing, notably not the final season. But yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> but um, you know, if you want to know how Toby's gonna react to something, Richard Schiff is the guy to talk about. So like there there are exceptions to this, but I think actors can get wrapped up a little bit. But anyway, Picard is very much Patrick Stewart's version of Picard. Another thing that happened before this show came on the screen was the short trek Children of Mars. I didn't want us to watch it and like review it in detail because I think we've all seen it. But and we also already did uh, on our first episode. Did we do Children of oh, Mars as well? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that was yeah, one of them. I can't remember. I don't think so. I think we did no? Q and A. We did. Um, we did Ask Not, and we did the Edward. Trouble with Edward. Oh, you're so right. You, you might did. have just watched it yourself. And There's maybe a secret record. episode that I that I recorded with myself <laughs> uh, where I talked about it. So, so uh, this short join track... our Patreon and listen to that episode, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, Children of Mars. It 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 was released. Um, it was released thirteen, uh, fourteen days, two weeks before Picard did. It's um, it's the tenth short track that was produced. It's about two girls who are in school on Earth. And who have parents on the on the Mars colony, and they get to, we're basically seeing the Mars explosion that gets mentioned in this episode of Picard through their everyday stories. It's very like sentimental. Uh, I'll just be honest that it completely did not affect me emotionally. I was sitting there like watching this, being like, "This is kind of like a hackneyed effort to put 9/11 on our screens in Star Trek," and I was like, eh, "Not so much." It was like it was kind of like very like high on its own supply of emotion. And I, di- I wasn't there with it. But maybe y'all, can it, it reached out to you more. So I don't want to like, I did it again. I, I kind of like make these jokes about like how I see something and when I don't like it. And, and it doesn't leave any room for y'all to like. No, and so so I'll, I'll, I'll uh, go against the grain of what we did la- last week. And I'm just going to hard hard disagree with you there. Like I, I agree that maybe the musical choice or whatever was a bit strange for Star Trek. But I, I actually really was into that episode. But I think partly just also is like, uh the the reveal at the end or i think it's like towards the end that you you realize oh wait we're not in 
uh, Discovery's timeline. This is uh, like this is the 24th century that we're looking at, mm. and um, that was like I, I was blown away by that, and just like very into like oh oh man, Picard is gonna have like some amazing uh, uh, storylines going on, and. Well, well, we can go into that. <laughs> well, just, just, just the last thing about this is that Picard also ties very deeply into the Star Trek Countdown comic, which came out before mm-hmm. the 2009 movie. Uh, however, it contradicts a lot of Countdown uh, because Countdown basically is a story about how the evacuation of, of Romulus what happens when the Romulus learns that it's going to get destroyed? The evacuation of Romulus and then the solution that Ambassador Spock comes up with, it basically explains how Ambassador Spock ended up in the in the mirror universe with, uh, what's-his-face, uh, Eric Banner's character. Nero. Uh, Nero. Uh, and his ship. And so, his fiddle. And his fiddle. Uh, <laughs> Wrong Nero. Sorry. <laughs> well... I, I, he had that little like stuff. I thought you were you were calling that little stuff. No, I was thinking know? when Rome's burning, right? Right, right, right. Of course, I thought, yeah. I thought anyway, I okay. you know, well, at least he wasn't like spouting Shakespeare all the time and like you know said something about Nero and Rome burning. And anyway, 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 but countdown. So Picard and this episode specifically takes a hard lift. From uh, Star Trek Countdown uh, and Children of Mars, you know, the explosion of the Mars colony isn't something that we've heard about before. Mm-hmm. So, so that that's kind of that and Children of Mars set that up. So that's the stage, okay? That's the stage that, that Picard is stepping onto two weeks later. Summary of Remembrance. Uh, I wrote this. This is not from Memory Alpha and I know it'll be hard for you to tell, but I wrote this. Old man meets a strange woman, mysterious, sexy Romulan man is mysterious and sexy, and in brackets, and also clearly a spy. That brackets part someone else added, but I like it. I think you've made my art better. Um, (laughs) It's pretty obvious. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, I don't know why the hell she trusted him. (laughs) I mean, I I think... Very naive. (laughs) I I think the top hat, monocle, and the handlebar mustache that he was constantly twirling were a little extra, but, like, you know... Yeah, especially since (laughs) Romulans have never been shown with top hats and monocles, but, yeah... Spoilers, guys, come on. Right, I I gotta say, the last few episodes, I haven't been very good about naming characters and the actors who play them. That is going to get fixed um, right this second uh, when I take the name of the dude, Narek. That's right. Yeah. Narek the Romulan, played by Harry Treadway, very attractive man, as are most people in Star Trek Picard. Um, But anyway. Yeah, but like one of the most attractive ones isn't on the episode yet. Right. Yeah, and that's the real reason you need to watch all three uh, is to to see him in the third one. Okay, you're not even thinking of the same person as me. I was thinking of um, I just forgot her name, Uh, Michelle Hurd. But (laughs) she's gorgeous. Oh my gosh. (laughs) There are there are a lot of very very gorgeous people on this show uh, throughout it, and. Uh, something you just referenced, Adam, which is that the first three episodes of Picard were shown at, I think it's the Chinese theater in L.A. Yeah. Uh, uh, as on, during the premiere, they were shown together. However, when it released on streaming, it was one episode at a time, which is why we're covering just this episode and not the other two. I do want to talk about like that three episode package, but I think it might make sense for our listener once we've finished talking about this episode to then be like, OK, why might we have needed two more? Mm-hmm. So. But getting back to this then, 
let's go through this episode chronologically. But before we jump in, let's let's start do the same thing we did last week, which is what do y'all think? Where did our characters need to be at this end of this episode? Like, what was the point B that our writers wanted to get us to from the point A that is the first second of this episode? So, like, without without talking about how we get there, what did we need to get our characters to by point B? I mean, so that they start out pretty early in the episode. Uh, one establishing that like Picard's life is just completely different now. So we 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 want to break us of this notion of like that he is definitely gonna take charge of a starship and like uh, say engage or or uh, make it so or or things like that, and that instead we're gonna need to get used to Picard is old as hell now. And Picard is uh, maybe just going to be, like, on his vineyard and, like, that's something we need to get used to. Or at least, like, we need to be grounded in uh, in this character of Picard rather than uh, expecting him to go uh, punch the Borg Queen or anything like that. Other things that we needed to, or the writers were attempting to establish in this episode... Well, I mean, clearly there's a, um, I mean, the importance of data and which I have mm -hmm. to say, based on the countdown comics, B4 was going around as data in the oh, countdown, yeah. had, uh, in Captain the ones data. before, yeah, mm -hmm. but in the ones before, uh, Star Trek 2009. Um, so that was, you know, clearly B4 is in a drawer, um, so that's very different. That's not what you would have necessarily anticipated. If he was actually going around as data mm -hmm. uh, serving as a captain, I, you wouldn't think that ending up in a drawer would be um, <laughs> would be the result after that. Um, you'd think he went captain. to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, not very good. But um, it's just so um, I, I, I just find it hard to even say that, say what they I mean, it felt like it ended in the middle of a, in the middle of the episode because mm -hmm. it's not. I don't think the first episode was ever meant to be watched on its own. You're so right. They should have released all three and then done the weekly um, releases after that because it just. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I I think that they did at least lay the groundwork for for some things. So like, there's the the at the basics, like you mentioned before, like we 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 established that synthetics are banned. Mm -hmm. uh, and also we tie that into Picard as sort of a way of showing, uh, which I think is pretty effective of, uh, uh, like, we know who Picard is and, like, his moral convictions are, like, one of the big things about him. So the fact that, that Picard, it's, it's revealed that he had to step down, or he had to resign from Starfleet in protest. Uh, we trust I, that. Yeah, we, we trust that. And we know... and. I don't know if it's explicitly laid out in this episode, uh, like for for all of the exact reasons for how, how it went. I think that's maybe the second or third, maybe the third episode that they do that. But um, we we get that the ban on synthetics is probably going to be a major part of the show. The uh, the the sort of the aftermath of Romulus uh, mm -hmm. is also going to be part of this. Um, Picard is old as hell, but still has his convictions and. Um, I guess we we also sort of uh, we, like we know that definitely this Dodge character is going to be a really important. Oh, <laughs> she's dead. Sorry about that. Um, and uh, yeah, the there's something that's uh, OMG. It's it's the Borg uh, on with like the other Dodge, 
and a mysterious sexy Romulan man. Um, but I, I, I'm trying to think if there's much more that the episode, um, that this just this first episode establishes. And Did think... Dodge ever say anything about being a twin? Yeah, she says something about having a sister, as I recall. Did she? Yeah, See, yeah, I, because because I, she I she, she said she mentions that. she and her sister have the the necklace. Oh, um, okay. And it was okay. that her her father made it. I knew um, her father made it, and she was yeah. talking about like grow, you know her me- the memories of her father and him, you know. Yeah, but I, I, didn't I think remember. it's in the same conversation. Okay. She mentions that okay. her sister has one too. So I I also just throw one more thing in, which I think this episode wants to give us a bunch of catch up. Like, where is where what's happening you know you mentioned something about the romulans you mentioned picard being different but i think it also wants to give us a little bit of information on like what made picard have his break with starfleet and Mm -hmm. what is going on with starfleet and the romulans like it wants to give us a little bit of history i don't think it wants to get us completely caught up um and i think it also wants to introduce the borg cube as a place where things happen or as a second episode proves very little happens so um it's I think there's some of that too. But anyway, jumping in then, uh, maybe before we take a break here, we can discuss the scene, the early scenes with Data. This show opens up Mm, on the Enterprise D with Data wearing a Nemesis uniform, which should have tipped anyone off that that was a dream sequence. Uh, Oh, yeah. You know, if if nothing else, (laughs) if you hadn't got there yet. (laughs) But uh, Picard should have known that that was a dream sequence based on that. But uh, so so we see this this poker scene. Mm-hmm. So instantly it's like referencing a bunch of TNG. Yeah, well, I think that was just to kind of tug at our, you know, our heartstrings and our memories oh, and, and like, oh look look at how gorgeous you all never saw the Enterprise D look like this before. Look oh, at how yeah. it's lit. I mean, it mm-hmm. was it was gorgeous. So that's I yeah, mean, they it, were just trying to. <laughs> I, I mean, that, that was the first time that I saw the Enterprise D with Rudy's eyes, uh, because at, <laughs> as we re- revealed in the encounter at Farpoint, Rudy believes that that is the best looking uh, Star Trek ship. And uh, for a long time, I disagreed. But like, it looks really good in, in this episode. And uh, I mean, is also a good pitch of like, wait, maybe you should have done TNG again. Like, maybe maybe that would have been okay. <laughs> they yeah. could be on the museum ship Enterprise and uh, <laughs> and whatnot. But like, um, for for me, like that that initial scene, like it worked, and it um, it it put me right into the feelings of. Uh, well, one like nostalgia, but also the nostalgia that Picard is feeling, and the the regret at sort of the loss of his friend, like his line where he where he says that uh, like he doesn't want the game to end. Mm-hmm. Like I I just felt that exactly, um, and I think it also does a good job of setting up that um, this show is going to deal with ne- the end of Nemesis, because like that that's the the last song that we hear in Nemesis. It's also I think maybe the first song that you hear in Nemesis. But um, the uh, uh, we're we're going to deal with with Data's death, and that's going to be important in the show. I think you hear it in the wedding. Um, Blue skies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah wedding, Data sings it at the it's wedding. In this, it's, oh, I think it it's might maybe be in just the, in yeah. music at the very it end. It might be. So the the other thing that they have in this opening scene is when Data puts down his uh, hand, it has five Q or five Queen cards, mm-hmm. um, which isn't possible. 
also. But I it also uh, the thing that jumped out to me being now that we've seen the preview for season two and they have that one of the queen cards is kind of a focus in mm -hmm. that um in that teaser and it's to tease us to Q, right? To mm -hmm. be thinking about the character of Q. But I just found that interesting that they have that in the first scene yeah, of it's Picard puzzle time. as well. <laughs> yeah i think there are and and i think this this scene has some of the constant tussle of this show which is between fan service and doing what it wants to do because i think that there is a lot of like i think this scene worked on you adam i'm kind of curious how it worked on someone who doesn't know these two characters maybe picard isn't a show that's meant for anybody who hasn't watched tng or doesn't know who picard is but if you don't know them I am not sure how much of this scene conveys the like deep bond between these two men. Um, and I think that's what for me was kind of missing just a little mm -hmm. bit in both this scene and the later scene where Data is painting. Where I wanted to see just a little bit more like obvious depth. Um, I as a Star Trek viewer was like wow that's, that's really interesting. I can see why this is poignant for these two men but like I, I, don't, I don't know if there was kind of as much obvious because they have that discussion of the tell. Yeah. And I, I was just like, will 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 a casual viewer get that this, this it's just the depth of Picard's knowledge of data that lets him do that? Maybe they do. Maybe they do. And I, I'm just kind of off on a on a tangent here. But Well, and it's also yeah. so because that also felt to me like a relationship that was developed much more in the movies than it was in the television show. Okay. Like yeah. I, I um and I think it was just because data was really popular, so they kind of elevated his character for the movies. Mm. But I never felt that data and Picard were necessarily that close in the tv series i could be wrong but it just well, it's, it's it seems like they make it more in the movies than they yeah, do and, in the and show. it's it's actually surprising like watching episodes like measure of a man or whatnot where like picard is is kind of like man it sucks that we're gonna lose data but i mean you have to get disassembled <laughs> like it, 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 there's uh i i i think you're right emily that 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 relationship definitely was uh uh, put like given top billing in the in the movies right it's data and Jordy that have mm. the closest relationship yes, that, yeah. and also but i also feel like there's a data um riker related i just feel like i feel like the top friendship in the series is not data and picard but they made it that in the movies so and and so that's what they're that's kind of what Damn, they're now i want star trek i want star trek Jordy instead watch jeopardy <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> um, well, so so okay. So Picard wakes up. We see the Mars explosions for the first time. Picard wakes up in the vineyard. We see that the number. We see that he has a dog named Number One. Uh, cute, cute, cute. All those little references. Also, Spain, makes me worry that your Number dogs. One is dead. Uh, huh? <laughs> what did you say? I I said it, it made me worried that Number One was dead. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and it, yeah and i thought it made me th made me want to do an advertisement for the importance of spaying and neutering our dogs i i think we see the the very large <laughs> testicles of number one yeah. a little bit later but yes yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll go into depth there. Uh, yeah okay. <laughs> he has uh <laughs> yeah he has some very large testicles let's put it that way um but Okay, so so the the next thing just before I I knew we I said we'd take a break here, but the thing we should talk about real quick is the intro because that kicks in basically after the first few scenes of the vineyard. Which, by the way, the vineyard is uh it it has a name. It's a vi it's a vi. So what happens with me? Vineyards and wineries, not wineries. 
It's, <laughs> it's the, the vineyard is the Sunstone Winery in Santa Inez, California. If you want to go hang out at Picard's place, you can actually go hang out at that. I building. want to. Like, I felt like I need to go on vacation there when there I was watching go. this. <laughs> um, but then the intro kicks in and it's 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 a traditional Star Trek intro, but it's really not. What'd y'all yeah, think? Cause, it's yeah, really like, like we're, we we get the we get the music, we get the uh sort of uh some some like visualizations of space or whatnot, but it, it is very clearly focusing on just Picard and like things that maybe have happened to Picard and things like that. I don't really mm-hmm. understand it, to be perfectly honest. Because you see you see this dropping shard of glass that basically throughout the rest of the intro, it, it's like a piece that's broken out of the glass and it's falling. You see, like, the vineyard. You see the the cube uh, or some, like, geometric shapes that, like, become kind of DNA. You see an, a cornea that turns into an eye, which turns into a Borg kind of eye, which then turns into a planet losing a chunk of itself. And all the pieces then come together to become Picard. And... I, I I don't get it. Um, okay, so he, here's here's my pitch. So okay. the 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 shard of glass, I think, is it is uh, the reality shattering revelation of that the Federation and, and Starfleet are not who they used to be. Uh, I think the vineyard is just because like that's where we are. Uh, same with the long road, the cube. I I like I I no that, at that least by I, the way I, in the note. Uh, in the notes, you just I, was, put that. I said it's been a long road because I was like, this intro would go great with it's been a long road. <laughs> I almost started singing. Hey, see, we have to have someone sing it on every episode now. I yeah, think. there we go. <laughs> All right, anyway, go ahead. The vineyard, you explain the vineyard. What's next? Yeah, uh, so th- like the, the cube, at least when I first watched it, was sort of a like, uh, we're gonna deal like this is grounded in where Picard has been, and like the Borg are, are a a significant part of his life even though the the series didn't necessarily always delve into that too much um at least like thinking through it now i think that probably the dna is about the synthetics uh being looking like humans uh but we get that that's a bit fuzzier and then yeah the cornea is it's probably picard has a false eye uh because of uh what happened with um when he was turned into Luke, or uh, transformed away from being Locutus. So mm. I assume that's like Locutus's eye or his own new eye without the cool stuff on it. He didn't have one like that. He didn't? Mm-mm. No, he had a thing that kind of, like a light yeah, thing that right. kind of pointed next to it, but they didn't yeah, put any not, prosthetic over his eye. Mm. Okay, okay. But yeah, I, I, I think hopefully one of the things that I'm kind of curious about if in the future, if we can, if we get somebody to explain the intro to us, because that would be, I, I want more kind of like what they were thinking, you know, if someone from the show would explain it, that would be kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Maybe Speaking of, so, I'm just going to say this and then we don't have to talk about this again, since we'll, I know we're getting ready to go to the break, but something that we didn't talk about. You mentioned it in the notes that uh, so Michael Chabon, after the first series would have wrapped, he didn't want to be the showrunner anymore. I just keep wondering what it must be really stressful to be a showrunner for the first season of Star Trek shows because they don't seem to have a good record of keeping, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I just I find that interesting. Like, I don't know. But I was trying to think. Yeah. So now that th- season three 
and I think season four have been the same showrunners for Discovery. So maybe they've kind of hit their stride now. And well, and, the, and I think they're, they're filming Paradise season and... four and five at the same time, if I recall. So oh, okay. I think I think they'll so have maybe... had a consistent leadership yeah, through that. But it's just interesting that that Picard isn't going to have a consistent leadership either. You know, so I just yeah. I find that interesting. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, it, it is. So Michael Chabon, if I'm not mistaken, is a novelist. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so if he was also the one who wrote, um, he wrote a short track, didn't he? Uh, which one did he write? He wrote, he wrote, I need to go look was this it? up now. It, that was his entry into the, into the canon is that he wrote. Um, was it the oh, mud one? Calypso. Calypso. Oh, yeah, Calypso. Yeah. oh yeah, 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 that's yeah, right. Yeah. So he wrote Calypso, which is, um, and he wrote Q&A, by the way. But Calypso was so incredibly well received that, I mean, I think. If, if people kind of base their impressions of what Picardo is going to be on Shabon's writing, I think their minds would go to Calypso. And I I do wonder if, if he just found it not quite as easy to be a showrunner compared to writing for mm-hmm. for Star Trek, you know? Is he is still going to be writing for season two? Do you know if he was? I can't remember. I, I, I believe he's going to remain involved, but I don't know mm-hmm. if he actually ended up being in yeah. Yeah, it it, it does feel like like that's sort of a a big leap to go from like you wrote a really excellent like not even a full episode and then you had another one that was also good and then we're gonna give you an entire series uh, is maybe a bit of a jump. Yeah, but but yeah, I um. Well, why don't we take a quick break here? Let's come back and talk more about the the rest of this episode, which I think after the intro, it really gets going. And then we'll talk a little bit more about also what we thought about Picard as a whole. You have a tell. That is impossible, sir. Every now and then, you dilate your left pupil. Ostentatiously, I might add, in an effort to cheat me into thinking that you have a tell but your true tell is you don't have one when your eyes are neutral that's when i know you're bluffing Hmm. now that you've told me that captain i am confused about which deception to employ (laughs) 50 50 that's everything i have i can see that captain do you wish to call or fold Let's behave like civilized men. Milk? No, thank you, sir. Sugar? No, thank you, sir. Why are you stalling, Captain? I don't want the game to end. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. If you are a big fan of Star Trek Picard, something you may have noticed is that Narek's sister, Nerissa, is played by actress Peyton List. And if you decided to go read about Peyton List, who's also in Mad Men, by the way, which is how I know her, you will have found out that there is another actress with the identical name out there uh, as well. So it's kind of this, it, this is, I feel like it's the first time where I found like two famous people with no relation to one another with exactly the same name. And it's pretty funny. Is it spelled the same in everything? It is spelled the same in everything. I huh. don't know enough about the two of them to, te- to, to tell you how they are told apart in the industry, other than the fact that they look nothing like each other. But 
I wonder how often they get called for each other's parts. Right? Um, so I, th I think Star Trek should do something like that in the mirror universe and the Risa is played by the other patent list or something like that. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Um, anyway, getting back to getting back to Star Trek Picard, we just talked about where we were with the intro. Um, in our 45 minutes of our show, as you mentioned, Adam, we've talked about five minutes of theirs. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for thanks for mentioning that in the in the break because uh, that stuck with me. So we need to get a move on, uh, and we get introduced to the with the vineyard. We also get introduced to Picard's two Romulan buddies, uh, ambiguous caretaker people. Like you don't know exactly what their role in life is, why mm. they're there yet. Um, and you also get introduced to uh, the the. Picard's backstory through that kind of interview scene. And uh, the the two Romulans, by the way, are Laris and Zaban. So James McShane plays Zaban. James McShane had been in a in Enterprise as a background crew member. And Laris is actually played by a very famous actress, Irish actress named Orla Brady. Orla Brady, by the way, posted a picture of herself wearing elf ears on Twitter. And I was like, what, the, what are Romulans doing in the elves? Like, it was on St. Patrick's Day. And she she posted, replied to me saying, shh. And I was the greatest moment of my entire life. Uh, is it Tal Shiar uh, infiltrating friends. the elves? So anyway. Um, but so Laris and, and Zaban make an appearance. And I, I, I don't know. I was instantly drawn to them. Yeah, I... Uh... I, I I thought it was cool. Well, I, I don't know. I, I also just appreciate when we let, like, uh, different aliens in Star Trek have, like, interesting accents. And it's not just, like, that uh, Vulcans are always uh, ambiguously boring sounding and uh, mm -hmm. whatnot. So I, I, I appreciated, like, oh, maybe these are uh, Romulans from a different part of Romulus or maybe even uh, they're literally Romulans from, from Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> yeah, like it, like that that's a um a cool thing that uh I feel like we're missing out on a lot of the time. Um well, so and I, I was, I was especially even drawn, to drawn to her. I was going to yeah, I was especially drawn to her probably the accent, but <laughs> <laughs> I was sad when when we left Earth later in the season and spoilers <laughs> and we but we don't see them like i wanted them yeah. to be yeah. a part of the whole of the whole series and i'm hopeful i don't know if they'll come back because i yeah. know we're well, on and, a different and, and i guess especially now, but. with how we like the awkward season or episode two that i was talking about where we reveal that they actually have this like complicated backstory and they're both like tal shiar operatives or whatever like if like why did that well, i don't understand why that was in episode two but then like never useful ever again um, yeah, th th I mean, th this episode is very strongly hinting at like Picard is surrounded by Romulans, and there's probably a reason for it. I'll be honest, when I watched it, I, I didn't really catch on at, to the significance there immediately. I was like, because again, the hair is so like kind of it's not the typical like bowl cut wigs. I'm so used to seeing yeah. Romulans kind of instantly identifiable as Romulans that I didn't pick up on the significance of Laris and Zaban until the second episode a week later. And um, one of the things that 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 they the Picard talks about with them is they're at least his like publicity agents because they're like yeah you told the the reporter that I'm not going to talk about my separation from Starfleet right and so uh, which of course the the tabloid reporter that she is she gets she gets Picard to be angry yeah. uh, 
And and that was, I mean, you know, Adam, you joked last week about how Star Trek had needs to have a character shout exposition at us. <laughs> That's what that scene was. It was just basically like, okay, everything, hey, reporter person, Everything that's happened in the last like ten years, can you find a way to smash it into three minutes, please? And um, <laughs> she did, and we we see the explosions on Mars. We see Picard getting angry about the Federation, uh, and talking about why he left Starfleet. Well, how many years? What was the anniversary? Like, how many years had it been? Fourteen since... years, I think. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, again, there's distance being put between Children of Mars and Picard, and. I think Picard will kind of come back to this. You know, sometimes we see Picard and um, Michelle Hurd's character, whose name I'm not forgetting. I keep forgetting. Like, it's not been that long. I just forget all the names now. <laughs> um, but uh, Rafi, uh, we see them in their previous uniforms while they were still in Starfleet. Yeah. Hey, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is it 14 years from the destruction of Romulus or 14 years from the destruction I think it's from... of Mars? Oh, because wouldn't those, how long of a gap, I guess I'm wondering how, how big of a gap is there between um, the the Romulan sun going supernova, isn't that what happened, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think and maybe it's been the, established that it was 14 years since the Hoba supernova, supernova um, and but we I don't, don't know I don't necessarily. know if we, if we got exactly how long it's been since Mars, because that, that reason... is the start of the interview, is, is uh, it's, I think it's the anniversary of the supernova right there and the reason i'm thinking is because when we talk about bruce maddox later in the episode uh-huh. there's this and we can talk about i'm just planting a seed for us to remember to to say something about this but i was trying to do some math to figure out um if something was possible based on something that was said about bruce maddox anyway so okay we'll touch on that one because that's the end of the episode so we'll wait so 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 the Children of Mars, the 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 Mars incident occurs on April fifth, twenty three eighty five. Remembrance, is, this episode of Picard is twenty three ninety nine. So it's it's fourteen years since Remembrance, and the Romulan sun goes supernova in twenty three eighty eight. I think according to according to um. Okay, so that's eleven. But that, that can't be, because that would be mm-hmm. after Children of Mars. When did you say it was Children of Mars? What was the date, start date? April 5th, 2385. Well, ah, so, but, but so that's right. That's, that's right. the 14 years. Right. So, so 20... maybe they did happen pretty close to each other. So, okay. What now happened? So, so the difference, I think, between... I, I'm, I think I'm letting Countdown get in my head. But basically what Picard establishes and what we establish in that new sequence is that... Picard heard about what was happening to the Romulan sun. He arranged for the evacuation fleet. And while the evacuation fleet was uh, being built on Mars, that's when the Mars attack happened in 2385. Then the uh, supernova actually happened somewhere after 2387, because that's, the I think, the, the star date that our ambassador... Spock, Spock makes yeah. his plan of using the jelly, jellyfish ship that we see in mm-hmm. Star Trek 2009. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Now the timeline is more clear in my head. Thank you for asking that question because I <laughs> yeah. had not put all of that together in my head yeah, either. Yeah, same. same. I, that, it hadn't occurred to me that... that uh, I mean, it makes sense that they would... Because like it, uh, the way that it's shown in 2009, it's kind of confusing because you just... like why would you have warning about the supernova like that's already exploding like everyone is dead already right. but mm-hmm. if we if we know that it's going to explode uh then 
some of that like a rescue effort etc makes more sense right right i i will confess that the whole synthetic band thing was something that i was like whoa what happened there and mm -hmm. i was kind of curious to see how they were going to explain it i think that that becomes the reason that picard has his break from starfleet is the synthetic band and um that's where we switch to seeing the synthetic Dodge in Greater Boston, which I'm kind of curious. Is Greater Boston now, like, how far away? Is, like, Hartford Greater Boston now? Like what? Yeah, so, I don't know. I was, or maybe that's... maybe Old Boston is, is uh, shitty and was destroyed, and this is a Greater Boston that we have now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing Dinah isn't here to hear you say that. <laughs> Greater Boston. So did you all, um, do you think they cast... Um, Issa Briones because she did they purposely cast her to look like Lol, like the actress who played Lol? Because and I found myself wanting to go back and watch. Like I'm like I should have yeah. watched The Offspring before I watched this, but um, mm -hmm. I mean like wouldn't that be why Data painted who we yeah, painted they, because they gave he's her painting Lol, Lol right? Doesn't least? she have a? Does anyone yeah. else think that? Or am I, I mean no. I'm not the only one. Like that's, no, they were intending her to look like Data's daughter, right? I, I feel like it, they have to, but it, it, unless this is a another case of like uh, the writers in in season two of of Discovery not understanding that they were setting up the origin story for the Borg, uh, yeah. when uh, they're like to be like who's Lol? Yeah, because <laughs> like so Bruce Maddox now is is the understanding going to be that Bruce Maddox is the one who created Dodge and um, I think uh, so. I mean, so I don't. Gene? I forget what they established in the final episodes of the season, but I I do remember them heavily implying in this episode. Picard specifically says it to Doctor Girardi later at Daystrom that like Bruce Maddox found a way to do it. Right, and and because Data was was corresponding with Bruce Maddox right when he was creating Wall, mm -hmm. I think right. Like, isn't yeah. that? I mean, there's some other admiral that shows up to you know put the kibosh on things or want to observe yeah. or decide if they're going to take law because, you know, clearly they didn't establish a measure of a man that, you know, Android right. should be able to have some sort of autonomy, but um, anyway. Okay. And yeah, we find, I mean, also later we find out that Maddox was corresponding with, um, was unable to get B4 up and running. So at the end of Star Trek Nemesis data downloaded his, consciousness into b4 but he was unable b4 was unable to become data because the while the memories were there the neural net was gone that was my takeaway from the very very techno babble heavy final scenes <laughs> at daystrom <laughs> um but getting getting back to dodge our first introduction to dodge is like the most millennial thing like you know girlfriend and boyfriend talking about uh getting accepted to university and then like Romulan agents show up and start killing everybody. Although at that point we don't know they're Romulans. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like this was also my first uh, hint at like, uh, or my first feeling of uh oh, uh, in terms of like how the writing of the show was gonna go, because <laughs> we we have the, it's it's sort of a um, an awkward. Well, one I, I was excited like oh Zahia like we're, it's a shout out to the uh, to but season. Or actually, uh, the C that was a short trek that Zahia was um, established, and then uh, is the was that final... one of the kids on Children's of Mar Children of Mars? Yeah, she was also Zahim. 
Oh, yeah, really? that's right. Because when I was watching him, I was like, I feel like one of the girls on Children of Mars was the same species. I didn't connect that. Like that. Okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah. But but yeah, so but the like we have the the moment where they say like she's activating, uh, yeah, and uh, then she just like kills everybody, and uh, I don't know. It, it it definitely got me a feeling of like, oh, we wish that we were writing uh, Jason Bourne instead. It was uh, River or, from Firefly. Yeah. Yeah, that that too, and it's just um, I don't I don't know I I, I was not exactly uh, into that side of things. I and, mean, it, it's uh, it's a pretty typical sci-fi trope, right? Character yeah. who is actually a expert at combat and violence, but is in a soft shell of kind of unknowing or living a different life, and suddenly mm-hmm. turns on. Like you mentioned, Jason Bourne. It's in. Um, it's in uh, Firefly as Rivers mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe on the podcast we've talked about the sci-fi series Dark Mirror, where the, all of the characters are like that. They all wake up not knowing who they are and suddenly having skills they didn't know they had. So uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely a trope. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the Zahians, just for folks listening who may not be as nerdy as we are about Star Trek, Zahians were introduced in. Uh, a short trek where that princess of the Zahian planet was met by its short trek runaway by Tilly, uh, okay. who then who then helps her get back to her planet and not run away. And then I believe she shows up at the end of season two of Discovery to help them with some dilithium mm-hmm. or whatever as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Uh, so and uh, I I don't see. I don't and she's see... the queen at that point, I think. Right. Right. Yeah, I do actually the, the the children of Mars character might actually be a different uh race. I don't think it's is a Zahian. Okay, uh, I just remembered. I knew we had seen that uh species before. I just couldn't Right. Remember. Yeah, and, yeah, and at least when we uh Well, I I can't remember when season 2 of Discovery ended, so it it might not have been that recent. Um so we had seen So them. Yeah, the 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 gal from Children of Mars is called Kima and her species is Kima species. So great. Stop it. <laughs> That's super, super complicated to remember. Okay. Right. Okay. So anyway, um, get, getting back to to Dodge. So Dodge then has many scenes, and just you know, this this seems like most of this episode is her going seeking out Picard, Picard hearing her out, figuring out that she might have some relation to Data. Then he goes to the archives. She runs away, mm-hmm. and then after at the archives, he finds this painting which has never been mentioned on TNG before, but he's got, he apparently is gifted a painting uh, yeah. by Data where this person, the, there's a figure looking from the back. Uh, we, we're looking at the back of, the, of this figure, but uh, in the archive, Picard finds the painting with the figure on the front. And in between, we see the scene where Data is painting the painting and he, we don't see the like person's face. It's all like, will we ever see the face? And then five minutes later, he's in the archives and we see the face and it's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then Dash tracks him down and then they have the fight on top of the rooftop. Well, she has she has a conversation with her mother and then you realize that. And OK, so I don't know if I should have I didn't rewind it and go back. So when she's having the conversation with her mother and obviously her mother knows something that she shouldn't know. Right. Because mm-hmm. when they went around the other side, now there shouldn't be a whole difference in how you are perceiving, you know, so Dodge is looking at the screen in front of her. So if you come around the other side and you're looking at the screen, I don't know. It seemed to me the back of the mother's head looked like a, um, like the way they had the synthetics look on the episode where we see the uh, attack really? that happens on Mars. She didn't have hair. It just looked like a, like a, 
I don't know. I need to go uh, back and watch. But I just, I was struck by the fact that when they pan the camera around, so you're uh, on the other side and you're looking at Dodge's face, the it just looked like a bald head. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Which made me think, so it was some other thing that that was then, there was some technology that was projecting a face onto it. Yeah. I mean, to be, definitely uh, her mom doesn't exist. Uh, yeah. But... But yeah, I I hadn't considered that. I, I I think I sort of interpreted it as a um, like if that's you're seeing the edges of like the projection. And of, that could be. It yeah. could be. It just it just see it caught my eye this time mm-hmm. when I was watching. Yeah, it's it's kind of um. So I'm looking at a screenshot actually. I hit I hit burst this bubble so quickly, but we see the back of the mom's head with hair, and so it's just oh, okay, it's kind okay. of dark. Um, so I, it is, uh, it's just my television de- debunked lying to me <laughs> <laughs> or my brain. Tr- Myth busted. Me. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, let me see if I can pop this on the screen for you all and y'all can take a look. So, um, but while, while we take a look at this, uh, I, I really thought the archive was cool. And this episode is littered with objects from TNG. We see the captain Picard day banner at the archive. Picard's mm-hmm. office at his vineyard is full of little trinkets that people have identified from various tng episodes and i think that head looks bald (laughs) zoom and enhance (laughs) see that looks bald look at the top of that that's that's that's, no that's not hair that's like science that's like computer stuff that's like yeah no that is that is i don't see hair where do you see that that looks looks like a bald head no that is not hair (laughs) (laughs) all right all right we'll see what happens we'll dear listener we will come back to you someday and let you know what what we who was right um it was me there you go you're right um (laughs) we'll just case case solved case settled um and so so there's again a lot of like little fan service through the episode but I, i this was the part of the episode which i was kind of like a little bit uncertain about the way that it was put kind of created like Daj comes finds Picard but then she runs away and then she finds him again and then she gets killed it seemed like a lot of back and forth <laughs> yeah and uh and it was I think throughout this episode it's kind of has me like wondering like what is happening and I'm just waiting for a shoe to drop and every shoe that when that shoe drops Another one is lifted up, I feel like. And and you you wait you need to then wait for that one to drop. But uh, yeah, there's just mystery upon mystery in every element. Yeah, it it, it felt a, a, to me kind of like uh season 2 of Discovery definitely well actually maybe Discovery in general has this tendency to like like oh, and there's a twist uh and it's just like a completely out of the out of nowhere type of thing or they they will They'll try to hide something that uh, is uh, that th- they're just not revealing to the audience because they think it'll be more exciting to tell them later, like the whole Red Angel thing. Like mm-hmm. I, it, this, this, a lot of uh, Picard felt like a sort of like an arbitrary, like oh, let's just not tell you now so that we can like have it be exciting later. Uh, even though like we kind you we kind of figured out that she's an android or something when they said she's activated, uh, and. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it is it is an interesting sequence. And uh, th- there's one scene in particular where Dodge is like pulling Picard up the stairs and 
you know, he's bark. 80 years old. Right. And he's like, <laughs> oh, I can't do that anymore. And I think that that was one of the scenes, I think, which really kind of reinforced what this Star Trek was going to be in, in mm-hmm. comparison to others. Where, you know, the 80-year-old isn't just suddenly going to find a second wind and, like, grab the phasers and do Matrix moves and, you know. Like... Yeah, except he will in the second season. Oh, sorry, spoiler. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in, the, in this, he hides behind a bench while Daj is the one doing the fighting. And I yeah. think that's super, like, uh, symbolic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I that that is like for all the other things that I'm gonna criti- criticize this episode for. I this episode like that sequence really did show uh, a different Picard and like tried to set our expectations. Like, no, he's old now. Like he like he's gonna like running up the stairs is hard for him. And it, yeah, we we can't expect him to to go saving like the galaxy all by himself, which which does set up at least like why we need to find a bunch of young random actors to like help him uh, in the future. But it's um, so I, I I think that it was effective, even if maybe the setup was confusing and silly at times. Mm-hmm. And then finally, after she's dead, we see him go off. Picard goes off to Daystorm in japan to meet with dr agnes gerardi allison pills character introduced who (laughs) one of the best things about allison janney from the west wing and from i believe the the sitcom called is it called mom yeah uh is that she has one of the greatest fake laughs that you can possibly have for a character she does by the way she also does slapstick kind of state pratfalls really well but Alison Janney, there's a reason she's an Oscar-winning actress, and one of them is her fake laughs. Alison Pill does not have that skill. Uh, <laughs> Picard meets her, and he's like, I'd like to learn about something, something synthetics. And she's like, ha, 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 fake laugh. Ho, ho, ho. Ha, 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 it was not that bad. <laughs> I gotta say, I was just like, oh my god, this. I mean, I, I don't know. Allison Pill kind of plays that like aw- awkward character very well, so maybe it was kind of like a force, kind of it was purposefully forced. But I, I don't know. I didn't buy it. Yeah, I, 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 I do read her character as kind of a, a purposefully, uh, like, like she's so awkward that she can't really figure out how to act, uh, fig- like work in all of these situations. So. I, I don't know. I, I think it kind of works yeah. with the, mm-hmm. the greater vibe of her. Yeah, I think she's supposed to be awkward. But but is she supposed to have been in a relationship with Bruce Maddox when she was like 20 years old? Yeah. Because I, she says, so So it was yeah. that young. Because they show flashbacks later in the um, in this season uh, with the two of them. and But she says that she, basically you get the impression that she hasn't seen him since the ban on synthetics. That's why I was wondering how long ago all of that happened we, because we don't, I don't think we get an age for her though. I don't I don't think that I guess she... I'm just going based on the actress's age. So she's about uh, 30. She's like 35, 30, yeah, but I, or she would have been like 35 when she filmed this, maybe 35. I I felt like that some of the stuff was maybe impl- like cuz I I don't know I, I I don't know. I I got the sense that her relationship was secret with him. And that maybe like bordering on like unethical or mm. or whatever, and and yeah, so I and it, it, w- it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if they continued working on that stuff after it was banned. Because mm. um, I mean, certainly he he has now gone off and like is still doing this stuff mm-hmm. uh, in secret. Um, 
so I, I, I don't, I don't know if it's been all the way since she was like 20 or something like that. Uh, but I, I, I do think that there's like weird power dynamics at, at play in their relationship from how, how some of it is set up. Mm-hmm. You think <laughs> really when he, he, he first met Girardi, he had that weird, awkward walk. Like when he first saw data and he's just like walking on the bridge, staring at him. In in measure of a man, yeah, I I, <laughs> I, I that would uh, not surprise me. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, Bruce Maddox didn't exactly come across as the least creepy person uh, on Measure of a Man, but nope. Uh, Agni Girardi, though, I mean, they have a brief conversation. It's filled with techno babble. So much techno babble in mm-hmm. that scene. Um, and but we do learn again more about the synthetics band. We hear that the Daystrom synthetic. And I, I got to say, I left this again kind of being curious, but also kind of, I think there's a little part of me that just was like, eh, I can't believe that they would have completely got rid of synthetics. That seems super excessive. So I, got, I guess part of me is wondering, like, what is, what led to that? You know, that seems like such an extreme reaction. It does. You know, this is actually, this reminded me, this is why I thought that Dodge never said anything to Picard about having a sister because he seems so like, oh, a twin. When um, mm. Gerardi says mm. that they're always made, they're always made into twins or something. So he just, it's like, it never dawned on him before that she had a sister is how it feels. That Well, I, I, I think had a after, had a... Um, I, when he ex- right, like when he knows that she's an android, I think he's now kind of thrown out her backstory because he, he talks about like uh, how like oh that's a beautiful memory and no one can take right, it from you. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. That's so true. I I think it's uh, he he maybe just like it didn't occur to her it occur to him that any of them were real. Um, that's true. The other thing I thought was that we did, we didn't mention this, but um, the fact that you know that they bring up the fact that every that any any um hint of dodge having been at the site of the explosion that wasn't on any record like the police didn't say because he says dodge is dead and they're like what are you talking about she wasn't there and he's like yeah she was with me but there was no record of her having been there so they're they're laying this they're i'm bringing this up to say they're laying the groundwork that there's someone going through and trying to erase evidence of people's interaction with dodge right yeah yeah which they'll they'll flesh out a bit in uh episode two in yeah. a very dumb Weird. way. Yeah. But, I wish yeah. I wish we could have seen the the sanitized video of Picard on the uh, roof, though, because just running around ducking from nothing yeah. and suddenly gets blown <laughs> exactly. from one. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I was actually wondering, like, especially with how far he gets blown away. Like, he's an old ass man. Like, he broke several bones. Did the Romulans <laughs> say like, "Oh no, he uh, he fell"? And then and like, did they put him into surgery to fix him and then like just lay him on the ground but make sure that he was passed out or? I, d- right. I don't know what, because also it, it just seems like borderline unethical to let a guy like who just got blown 60 feet from an explosion wake up like in his house. Like, I feel like you'd want to make sure that he's OK, but and like able to w- walk around before you release him from the hospital. Hey, the marvels of modern medical technology, right? So, yeah, he just took yeah. a pill. <laughs> Allison pill. <laughs> 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 so, OK. Oh so, so we have the conversation with Gerardi where she's kind of uncomfortable and sad. But, you know, at this point, it's like, ah, it makes sense. You know, her, her entire research focus has been outlawed. Mm-hmm. Kind of sucks. Um, and then we get transported over to the Borg Cube, 
which is mysteriously green and Romulan. And we start hearing little music from Balance of Terror from the original series, a famous Romulan episode. Oh, and I didn't catch that. Mm-hmm. And then super sexy Harry Treadway walks in with his <laughs> sultry narrowness. And, you know, he uh, he meets uh, the other one, the twin. And it's it's kind of left, you know, he, we give him just enough time to hit on her a little bit and uh, play his uh, sob story routine. And then we go to credits. <laughs> Emily shaking her head. She's just so naive. I mean, it was so <laughs> obvious <laughs> immediately <Yeah. laughs> that you, this is not someone you trust. Oh, my gosh. I mean, she was three years old, as we learned later. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, and as we know, Bruce Maddox doesn't know relationships very well, so he didn't program her to be skeptical. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, actually, now it is believable. I, 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 I'm fully on board. This this definitely makes sense now. Oh, I, God. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for me, it felt very strange. And I, and I think uh, they talk about this in the, um, I believe in the, was it still called After Trek at, After Trek at this point? Uh, it's the ready room. Yeah, oh, the ready room. Uh, they, I, th- it sounded like they they used to have the um, the episodes organized very differently, uh, and I think we weren't even going to see the Borg cube until way later in the season. But they decided that uh, having like a forty five minute lore dump at you, like right in the middle, would be a little um, out of nowhere. So they, I think they had spliced those scenes in, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if that was a good call because i that there's definitely this episode doesn't do it too much but um coming up there are episodes where we just have like here's a random scene on earth and then we're going to go into the borg cube and then we're going to go to an unrelated scene that's also on earth and then we're going to go to the borg cube Mm -hmm. and it's it's very jarring and i feel like it's just weird setting up this mystery of like oh there's another twin i wonder like when they'll show up or if the oh she's right here okay so like we're gonna go here some at some point, and it, it it felt like a weird reveal to like show to the audience right away. Yeah, maybe they did that because they released that first episode by itself, you know, just so it's like, oh no, you are gonna find out more about this. Just stay tuned, and then you'll get more information. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was when, almost when a little bit of hook, it, it, but it, it was almost too much of like a satisfactory mm-hmm. resolution because I yeah. feel like the the will who is Narek and why is he hitting on her like this was less of a mystery than will we (laughs) ever see the twin and i feel like the resolution at the end of daystrom would have i think been kind of a cooler one of like or maybe you know just we we see like a background shot of her walking through the corridors of the borg cube so we see Mm -hmm. that she's in the borg cube yeah we don't meet Narek or anything like Mm -hmm. that now it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, like having her her straight up like talking and is and is like naive and awkward. Like, oh, yeah, that that's like too much, too far to go. I I do feel like though a lot of especially this final scene is our our interpretation of it is based very heavily on what happens later though with Narek. Yeah, because I found so I went back and looked at the Reddit discussion thread for for this episode, and I I had upvoted things back in the day when it aired. And there were a lot of comments that were, like, very positive about everything in this episode. Even things that now I'm looking back and being like, hmm, interesting. I don't know if I like that so much. But I know that when I first watched this episode, I really enjoyed it. And I I, I was kind of curious about the rest. I don't think it gave me kind of that, like, oomph 
then maybe you know some two-parters like the first part of that it gives me like kind of that real nice hook where i'm like oh my god I, like like mm-hmm. the bsg miniseries it wasn't quite like that but i i knew i liked it and i so i do wonder if some of these things now we're looking back with the lens of like we know what happens in the rest of the series mm-hmm and just while we're on that topic, I wanted to ask you all about your reflections on the rest of Picard now having seen this first episode. Um, That's... Oh, go ahead. I I, I mean, uh, I just... I, I, I think that we got to some interesting places. I think that uh, they... I, I I don't I don't know this this season had a lot of, uh, well season our episode two I think was a complete mistake, and um there was there was a lot of like over leaning into like the drama and mystery and then also just feeling like, hey I heard you like Game of Thrones what if we had also <laughs> uh, siblings that want to have sex with each other, um <laughs> and it, like that it just. <laughs> Like, like that wasn't my favorite part of Game of Thrones, so I don't know why we had to put that into Picard also. And um, so I, I feel like Picard had a lot of weird things like that, that it was trying to be different shows than it needed to be. Um, but there, there were some individual... Like, th- th- I was surprised by a lot of things. Like, by the time epi- I heard about episode four and saw that we were going to have, like, uh, like a... Or, Legolas in space, uh, but a Romulan. <laughs> I I was ready to throw the throw Picard into the trash can, but episode four is actually one of the best episodes, and I think has some of the best world building that Star Trek has done yeah. in quite a long time. And I, uh, so I I think that there are really great moments in Picard, and uh, Nepenthe is another great episode. But it's just the the summation of the entire season I, I don't think that it as a whole it really stands up uh as that effective for me if this is i don't know if this is um i okay i thought you all might find this interesting i just found the conversation that adam and i had when we watched nice. this episode yes. um for the first time so uh I sent him a text telling I got I actually had to watch it a little late because I was out of town. So I told him I was about to watch it and he said, Enjoy. I watched yesterday, so text when you finished. So I asked him what he thought, and he said, I feel slightly mixed about it, but not sure it'll end up being important in the long run. I kind of feel like they tried making all the action Star Warsy since they didn't have spaceships. Also skeptical of the Legolas Vulcan in upcoming episodes, LOL. (laughs) 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 So obviously we didn't know enough to know that he wasn't Vulcan. Um, But I definitely got super sad at all the data scenes. Also, WTF are they thinking working in a Borg cube? I'm guessing Janeway really (laughs) did kill off the Borg in Endgame. I'm really intrigued about the connection between the relief Armada's destruction and their destruction of Romulus. So I'm guessing I'm excited to see where the show goes, but the first episode felt a bit messy to me. And I said, same with the data scenes. Glad they didn't have B4 become a replacement data like they did in Countdown series before Star Trek 2009. Death is death. Um, I was wondering if Dodge was somehow lol. I think we will find out more about the board connection. It looks like they will be encountering Hugh and his liberated board companions, and that might explain something. I'm very, I'm definitely very intrigued after watching the first episode and want to know what comes next. Um, Travis said that seven of nine better be more than a cameo, and I super hope that too. 
And then the last thing I said there was, oh, it wasn't that Janeway killed off the Borg. Didn't she just destroy the transwarp conduits? And then Adam responded, yeah, I'm glad they're doing with Data what I wanted them to do with Hugh and Discovery. Um, oh, you're right. I'm getting mixed up because I just watched iBorg. <laughs> yeah, I thought Dodge was lol too. And then we were talking about some of the stuff with um, the uh, with the Ready Room because they were talking about some connection between the Romulan relocation and the attack on Mars. So then uh, we talked a little bit more about how whether of nine seven whether seven of nine would stay in, um, and then you said Adam said I'm glad they tied it in. I got slightly worried with Children of Mars that maybe they were going to pretend that the 2009 movie didn't affect the Prime Universe, which would have made no sense. Yeah, um, one looks like maybe Chateau Picard. One she's shooting people, and another is some other scene, if I recall. But I don't remember her on the bridge. And you, know, I gotta say, that was when I loved when Seven of Nine came in. Yeah. So Seven of Jerry Ryan makes everything better. Um, but uh, yeah. Oh yeah, it seemed to. Oh, here's the other thing Adam said. Um, he said the preview for the next episode was very underwhelming, LOL, but I'd rather that than spoil something. It just seems like making a huge deal of OMG, he's going to Starfleet Command for the first time when he literally tried going there the last episode, just didn't get in the doors. <laughs> and then um, anyway, so yeah, but yeah, pretty much that's what we were. We just weren't quite sure about how to respond to things. But then we went on to talking about Discovery and Ansem Mount because he is really hot. So, um, <laughs> that's, that's about half of our conversations, uh, is just about how hot how, it's how good looking it's amount is. <laughs> we, we shifted off Picard pretty quickly after that. <laughs> I, I, I was texting back with Bill at, at that time, who's also another host of our show, of course, is not here today. And I remember telling him that I needed to watch the rest of the series to evaluate how I felt mm -hmm. about this episode. I liked it, but I need more to evaluate because mm -hmm. it's so much setup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, you know, we talked about how there are three more episodes and everything makes more sense with three more episodes. You're right. But in a sense, I feel like that's that's not appropriate where I feel like this this first episode needs to stand on its own. And to be honest, just based on everything I said back when I watched it, I think it does. And I think it's it's not the greatest episode of Picard now in retrospect, but I think that's because of what we know. If what this episode had done was used in a different way, I think we would look back at this episode. Like, if if if, if we hadn't needed Seven of Nine coming in next episode in, or, or two episodes from now, if Rafi hadn't become such an important character, if he'd kind of stuck with Laris and Zaban, and, you know... If this what we see here was more complete, I think I think it would have been okay. I think we'd look back and say this this episode was pretty great. And um, while it didn't do everything perfectly and the pacing wasn't terrific, I I I gotta say based on everything that y'all have said and I have said and going back and looking at what I posted on Reddit, what I texted Bill, I I really gotta say this episode, much like Picard, is the parts in it are very good. Um, I think. The problem with Picard for me, Adam, you I think you hit the nail on the head. It just doesn't come, the parts don't come together to something cool. There are so many great little pieces and great characters, but it just doesn't like fit as, mm -hmm. as one big nice whole. It's not bad. Um, but I think this episode, because of how poorly I feel like the other episodes used what happened here, because like we, we leave Laris and Zaban behind, Daj is dead, <laughs> Narek and Soji's romance kind of, goes on interminably long 
and yeah. <laughs> um and the Borg cube I mean it has a pretty pivotal role to play in the series but almost weirdly as a second a secondary role uh you know it's not quite as like well and it and it also doesn't end up as important as we assume it's going to be because it just it just gets disabled and then isn't useful in the final battle. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, maybe we're going to be able to get it started up again. And I don't think they really do because it's it's just that uh, uh, Jonathan yeah. Frakes saves the day. Well, and the, and the Borg, I mean, they're, they're kind of a background element to this whole story. Mm-hmm. There isn't kind of this like constant like. It's more of a set piece than a than a recurring theme mm-hmm. of some sort, and so that that's a, that's what I'm left with thinking about Picard's first season is that it, it's a lot of like great elements where someone in the writing room was like, "Hey, I got a great idea. Let's mm-hmm. put this element in here," and then they were like, hmm, "How do we work this into the story?" Rather than someone saying, "I have this great story, and these are the elements of that story," yeah, um, and I think I think that's what comes through because. Everything in this episode, I feel like, is is all right. Like it's it's okay. So I, I don't know what y'all think about that. I know y'all are both partial to the theory of like we should watch all three episodes together. But I think that this episode can stand up on its own, just not as a pilot to the series that comes later. <laughs> yeah, it, it, just like discover, like they're just they're fans of having a pilot of an un for an unrelated series that doesn't happen. Uh, Laris and Zaban sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I feel like, and the way the, I get, it almost feels like, and I mean, we're obviously going to have to see the rest of Picard, um, but this first season of Picard essentially is a prelude for what's going to happen after. Do you know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. it's kind of, they're kind of, um, not that they terminate the storyline when they kind of do but i mean it's like but it's like setting up this whole thing for why season two is going to be this different yeah, this different yeah. thing or this different kind of um feel and I don't, I don't know so it's it ended up being just interesting how they um because it yeah. almost could have been a season like a one season show just a 10 a 10 part movie kind so, of you know like yeah i, I don't know yeah. So 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 would you say then um that we can't watch Picard without watching all of these episodes that you really Well that's what's that's what I I mean if it doesn't That was a poor I, attempt at a joke it didn't work so well cuz we No no how, but but no yeah, but honestly no. but what I mean is like it like I mean you're talking about whether or not it stands on its own I mean I almost feel like it's it's a it's a 10 hour no, it's not a 10 hour movie, obviously 10 hours minus 15, you know, whatever, 43 minutes yeah. times 10, but it's a long movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it's kind of the way it, it's, it's not really, it's meant to be binged all at once. It's not meant they didn't, it was not released in the proper format for how it was written. I feel. I, I, I will say one other thing before we move on to ratings, which is I really wish they just leaned into the fan service and just been like, all right, we have no creative integrity we're just gonna give you like this twin thing is the data lore thing that y'all are assuming it is because that the, the reddit thread after this episode was filled with that it's like twins all just like data lore are we gonna see yeah. them again instead of like creating a different soon if they just like given us maddox at that point like oh i, I, like I, 
I fully thought that it was going to be revealed that it was lore that was right. uh, creating them. Yeah. Yes. I remember yeah. that that feeling. Then was, that would have been way cooler. <laughs> I, I feel like they like they were like, oh no, this is different. So we have to like create some of these like really unique elements, and we can't lean too much into the fan service. And I, at the end of the day, you're just left thinking. Guys, you're making Star Trek Picard. Just lean into the fan service yeah. wholeheartedly. <laughs> Have him say engage like 20 times every episode. Even in this Did episode, he, he says T Earl Grey decaf. And apparently that was Patrick Stewart's idea. And I'm just like, come on, man. <laughs> well, wasn't, didn't, didn't Picard, didn't Patrick Stewart say he didn't want to say either make it so or engage. I can't remember which one it was, but like he didn't want to say that. <laughs> like that was one of the stipulations. So they have Allison Pills characters say it um in like the last episode or second to last this episode. This is this is what I mean. Uh, anyway, let's uh let's It was in his contract. I will not say. <laughs> this is why we should have had Star Trek Jordy cuz uh LeVar Burton would have just done all of those things and given us what we need. <laughs> this is this is almost like I'm just imagining that was Patrick Stewart like in that scene from um in that scene from Galaxy Quest where Alan Rickman's character is like I won't say it. Don't make me. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Why grab our time? Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's give this show a rating. Which of you would like to stick your necks out and give Remembrance a rating? I'll give it a three out of five. Um, you know, eh, it was above average. I enjoyed watching it. Um, I wanted to watch the rest of the episodes. Mostly because I want to, because, you know, the, all of the other Star Treks pr prior to Discovery, I've seen more than once, you know, mm -hmm. um, but, but after watching the Discovery pilot and after watching this pilot, maybe want to go back and watch all of them again, because those mm -hmm. are easier shows to watch all of because the seasons are much shorter. Um, but uh, I, it's always good to see Picard. Um, it, uh, I mean, it's, it's not the best episode of the series by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I do like the characters that they introduced, but I wanted to knock it's, I wanted to knock it a little bit cause it didn't bring in all of the characters. And I mm -hmm. really like some of the other characters that they haven't brought in yet. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm pretty similar. So I, I had, I rated it a seven if you're watching it in isolation, uh, but a six if you've watched the rest of the season, uh, mostly because it doesn't it just doesn't have those best characters present. And a lot of the story hints feel like they're hitting you over the head, which, as we've established, like it needs to do that because it's Star Trek. But um, yeah, well, I feel like some of the things that it hits us on the head, but don't actually end up being the things that actually like like the data lore connection just doesn't happen. Uh, yeah. It feels like so heavily. Into uh, this. I'd, I'd forgotten about how excited I was for that reveal that never happened <laughs> and now i'm just upset all over again <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad our podcast can have that effect <laughs> uh, i i gave this a 6.5 it doesn't hit my like seven rewatchability like i'm not gonna go put this episode on but i didn't hate it all clearly i think i i it's not and based on my reaction to the rewatch compared to the first time it's not as good <laughs> in my so for sure it's it's below the rewatchability but i think it's fair to give this a 6.5 i think i think your kind of split between rest of the season and, and isolation is is a good one so i i do like that well dear listener we haven't decided what we're gonna do next week yet so we can't tell you that quite yet maybe by the time um don't we have one more pilot we have lower decks 
But we've already done Lower Decks. We've already watched it. Unless y'all oh, think we should true, watch it true. again. It's only no, been I like forgot. six months. I, I'm so I'm so lame. I can't remember what we. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> we that didn't occur podcast. to me that that like we've literally already talked about this episode. I mean, yeah, I, I, I've been I've been debating for the last like week whether we should go back and do it again. I I I think I fall on the side of dear listener, just go back and listen to the second <laughs> episode of this podcast yeah, called probably. Second Contact. Uh, maybe someday <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm sure we're really good at <laughs> doing a podcast back then. Right. <laughs> I haven't learned anything. Maybe I'll re-upload the episode or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's that it can show up in the in the list there. But that's the ne- that would have been the next episode. We don't know which series we're gonna do next. Uh, we have some ideas, uh, but we'll we'll hit you up on social media, letting you know what our next episode is gonna be uh, when we've decided that. But with that, thank you, Adam, and thank you, Emily, for joining me today. I always appreciate having the chance of talking Star Trek with you. Yeah, thanks, thanks Notch, for Notch. hosting us today. Of course. And thank you, Bill, Rudy, Dinah, and Max. Whatever y'all are doing, wherever y'all are, I hope it's something good. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us as well. Thank you, Jishnu Guha, for uh, recording our theme music. And uh, special thanks to Laris and Zaban, like genuine. You know, sometimes these are jokes, but this is this is just, they were great characters. Orla mm-hmm. Brady is a great actress, and season two of Picard will be lesser for not including her in it. Uh, and the Sunstone Winery. That was a great place too. Special thanks to them as well. Who knew a winery could be that beautiful and look so futuristic, right? Um, Thank you to the testicles on it. No, no, no. That's not. not, not, not. All right, everybody. See you again in seven days. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) Oh, Lordy.